It's great to be with you guys this morning. My name is Blake Jennings. I'm the teaching pastor from Southwood. I'll be with you over the next four weeks while Matt is at Southwood teaching the series that he taught you during the last four weeks on heaven and hell. So as Matt and I worked on the series that we would be teaching, we really had complete freedom. What would we do for the next four weeks? So for me, I spent a lot of time praying and talking to people and thinking about the question, what is it that we need? above all else. Got four weeks to talk about anything. What do we need? And the answer that just kept coming to me, it was really one word that kept coming to me over and over again, it was the word hope. What we need, I think, above all else is hope. Because I look around the world that we live in, I, I look at the people that we live among, and I see hopelessness everywhere I turn. Hopelessness feels like the air that we breathe this day and age. Now, some of you feel hopeful, and I'm happy for you. That's awesome, but you need to know you are in the minority. There is a crisis of hope in this country. When you think about it, we as a people, we are overworked, and we are overweight, and we are overwhelmed. We are short on time and short on money and short on friends. We are addicted to painkillers and social media and easy credit, and we pretend to have it all together online, but we know better, right? We're stumbling in the dark, desperate for hope. And so for the next four weeks, I'm going to talk to you about finding hope in the struggles and strains of this life. So here's what our schedule is going to look at. Today, we're going to talk about how do you find hope in the midst of the loneliness that we all deal with. So in loneliness and loss. The next week, we'll talk about finding hope in the midst of discouragement and depression. I'll share my own story with you guys in that. Then the following week, we'll talk about finding hope in the midst of fear and anxiety, and I'll share my wife's story in that one. And then finally, we'll talk about how to find hope in the midst of defeat and addiction. So that's where we're headed. Today, we're looking at finding hope in the midst of loneliness and loss, and it's helpful to to kind of clarify right from the beginning. Loneliness is not the same thing as being alone, right? Being alone is actually a good thing. We all need time alone, whether to eat or to sleep or to think or to use the restroom. You got to have some alone time in life. Some people need more than others. So take me, for instance, if you open a dictionary and look up the word introvert, you'll see my picture. I am king of the introverts. So you introverts out there, you are my people. We need to stick together in our own homes completely alone. Because we are recharged by alone time. That's how God designed us to work. That's where we find energy is when we can get alone. So just to be real clear, if you happen to see me having lunch alone at 40 Tempura one day, I don't want you to think to yourself, well, I feel really bad for Blake. He looks so sad and alone over there. I really should go cheer him up. You just need to know I'm doing great. (laughs) Eating lunch alone is like my favorite thing, especially if I have a good book. Now, you extroverts out there, you're thinking that is crazy. You can't imagine going to a restaurant in town and eating alone and being okay with that. But here's the deal. Even you extroverts have to have time alone. My wife, Julie, is an extrovert. She loves talking with people. She could do that all day. But she has to get alone to be healthy. That's just how God made humans to function. You see that in Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus is God. He has infinite social energy. And yet we're told that most mornings he would wake up and go alone into the wilderness to pray. Because that's how God designed us. We need time alone. And so let me just pause for a second and say, if you really struggle to ever be alone with yourself, if that feels really awkward, if you don't like ever being alone with just yourself, that's actually an issue. You need to talk to somebody about that. Talk to a pastor or a counselor because God designed you to need time alone. We all need that. However, 
even though we all need time alone, that's not the same thing as being lonely. You can be lonely even when you are not alone. If you went to the basketball game last night, great game, like 13,000 screaming fans packed into Reed Arena, even in the midst of that sea of humanity, you can be lonely if you feel disconnected from everyone else there. I like this definition of loneliness given to us by a counselor and author named Les Carter. He says, loneliness is a feeling of separation, isolation, or distance in human relations. Loneliness implies emotional pain, an empty feeling, and a yearning to feel understood and accepted by someone. So you can feel that even when you are not alone, when you are surrounded by other people, if you feel distant from them, isolated from them, then you will feel loneliness. Now, I I recognize loneliness isn't exactly a very happy subject to talk about this morning. Some of you are wondering, why did I come to church to talk about something as sad as loneliness? For me, that word is really sad. When I hear the word lonely or loneliness, it triggers memories of the elementary school cafeteria and me holding a plastic tray of Salisbury steak, trying to make eye contact with someone who would let me sit at their table. Now, I am an introvert. I like alone time, but sitting in that cafeteria, feeling like no one wanted me to be my friend, that that was painful. When we think about the word loneliness, for a lot of us, it triggers pain because as we sat there feeling lonely, what did we feel like? We felt like losers, that's actually the worst part about the word lonely is it's phonetically so close to the word loser. And if there's anything we learn in that elementary school cafeteria is that only losers are lonely. The jocks and the cheerleaders and the class clowns, they have all these friends. They never deal with loneliness, right? It's just for losers. Well, actually, that's wrong. That's not true at all. If you have ever struggled with loneliness, I have really good news for you. You're not alone. Now, you, you may feel alone. But you are not alone in feeling alone because loneliness is incredibly common. Here's some recent research done on the topic. 2016 Harris Poll found that almost three quarters of Americans experience this thing called loneliness. And over 40% of Americans experience it regularly. This is a normal part of their experience. Now, for a lot of us, we may jump to the conclusion, well, that's probably talking about like adolescents, teenagers, college students, or single adults, and they're not married yet. Well, actually, no, that's not the case. When researchers look at this topic of loneliness, they found, found that profound loneliness is experienced by both men and women at all stages of life, all the way from childhood to the elderly, and among all groups, including those who are married. Loneliness is incredibly common. Now, here's something that I find really interesting. When you look at this survey, this survey was done in the past. Back in 1980s, uh, an identical survey was done. And in the 80s, it was found that the percentage of Americans who felt lonely was actually less than 20%. But here we are some 30 years later, and we have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and social media and FaceTime and all of these ways to connect with one another. And yet the incidence of loneliness has doubled in our country. Actually, researchers found that back in the 80s, long time ago, 1985, most people in America would tell you that they had three close friends with whom they could share anything. When that same question was asked in 2004, guess what the most common answer was? Zero. Zero. That's led researchers to conclude that there is an invisible epidemic of loneliness in America today. It's everywhere around us. 
Okay, but this is church, so enough statistics. Let's talk about the Bible. In the pages of Scripture, the great men and women of faith, do we see loneliness? Well, let's start at the beginning. We got Adam. So God creates all things, Genesis 1 and 2. And God says that all of creation is very good with one exception, right? One exception. It is not good for Adam to be alone. So God brings him every type of animal life and no animal is able to satisfy that, that loneliness in Adam's heart because it is not good for Adam to not have human interaction. So Adam was lonely. How about Joseph? Towards the end of the book of Genesis, we meet this kid named Joseph who is sold into slavery by his brothers. He goes down to Egypt and he's eventually found in prison, completely forgotten and abandoned by anyone for years. He knew loneliness. Then how about Naomi? In the book of Ruth, Naomi's husband and sons die. And so she is so utterly lonely that she renames herself. She chooses the name Mara, which in Hebrew means bitter. Can you imagine going to a party, introducing yourself? Hello, my name is Bitter. Like, talk about Debbie Downer. This one was just crushed by loneliness. Later in the Bible, we meet Jeremiah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Jeremiah was called by God to be prophet in a very dark time in Israel's history. And God commanded Jeremiah, don't get married, don't have kids, and don't make friends. You're not allowed to have any deep human relationships. That crushed Jeremiah under such loneliness that he actually wanted to die. He tells God, I wish I had never been born. Experienced profound loneliness. In the New Testament, we look at Paul, really social guy, um, but we find towards the end of his life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's brought to Rome to face trial, and he says, no one supported me. Everyone abandoned me. So towards the end of his life, Paul knew loneliness. And then finally, how about Jesus himself? When Jesus was arrested, how many of his friends stood with him? zero. They all ran away. And as Jesus hung on the cross, what was one of the last things he said? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You think you know loneliness? God has never forsaken you, but he forsook Jesus. Jesus understands loneliness and abandonment better than anyone else ever has. So there are all of these examples of men and women in scripture who struggled deeply with loneliness. So if you think that loneliness is only for losers, then first of all, you're wrong. And second, you're calling Jesus a loser, which is like never a really good idea. Loneliness is something that touches all of our lives. It's incredibly common. So we're all in this struggle together. Every single one of us either will experience loneliness, has experienced loneliness, or will know someone closely who does. It's just everywhere. And here's why that's a problem. When we look at this subject of loneliness, here's why it matters. 2016 New York Times article summarized a bunch of research. It says, a wave of new research suggests that social separation is bad for us. Individuals with less social connection have disrupted sleep patterns, altered immune systems, more inflammation, and higher levels of stress hormones. Isolation increases the risk of heart disease by 29% and stroke by 32%. Socially isolated individuals had a 30% higher risk of dying in the next seven years, and this effect was largest in middle age. Loneliness can become a medical issue. Social isolation, researchers are finding, is as potent a cause of early death as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's really serious. Loneliness is twice as deadly as obesity. Dementia, high blood pressure, alcoholism, accidents, depression, paranoia, anxiety, and suicide all become more prevalent when connections are cut. 
Loneliness, it was found back in 2015, is currently in America the single biggest health threat facing middle-aged men. Like me, like many of you guys out there. Most serious health threat we face today, loneliness. So let's just understand, loneliness is literally killing us in the people around us. So what do we do about it? How do we find hope in the midst of loneliness and loss? Well, if you're going to find hope in the midst of loneliness and loss, first you've got to understand what hope is. You've got to define what you're trying to find. So hope is an interesting thing. It's one of these rare places where the word in English means something very different than the word in the Bible. So hope in Hebrew and in Greek is quite different in what it means than hope in English. So when we think about the word hope, in English, it's about a desire. It's a, a desire for something uncertain to happen in the future. In English, hope is like a wish. You wish for things to get better. So hope in English is really about a change in circumstances. You, you want the circumstances in your life to get better. So if you feel lonely because you are single, you hope for a spouse. It's like you wish for a spouse. Now, let's recognize that's actually a good thing. It's fine to have that kind of hope, but it's insufficient. Why? Because God never promised to give you a spouse. God never promised to change that circumstance in your life. He never promised to give you new friends. And so if you are counting on hope in an English sense of the word, you are inherently living an unstable life. You've got no promise to stand upon. So we need a better kind of hope a more certain kind of hope. And that's what you get in the biblical word hope. So hope in both Hebrew and Greek, it's different. In the Bible, the word hope means confidence. Confidence that you will be okay because God will take care of you. Hope in the Bible isn't a wish. It's not a dream. It's an expectation that God will fulfill his promises for you that he will stay with you, that he will take care of you, that he will get you through this life successfully. So hope, biblical hope, is confidence. You can have that kind of confidence, that kind of security, even in the midst of loneliness and loss. How? Well, I'm going to give you four steps for finding biblical hope, this certainty, this security in the midst of loneliness and loss. So step number one to finding hope in the midst of loneliness, you got to admit it and grieve it. You got to be willing to talk about your loneliness. You got to be willing to bring it out from the dark. But here's the problem. I came across this incredible quote in my research. Researchers are finding that loneliness is an especially tricky problem for us because accepting and declaring our loneliness carries profound stigma. Admitting we're lonely can feel as if we're admitting we have failed. In life's most fundamental domain, belonging and love and attachment, it attacks our basic instincts to save face and makes it hard to ask for help. Admitting you're lonely feels very much like admitting you're a loser. Psychiatry has worked hard to destigmatize things like depression, and to a large part, it has been successful. People are comfortable saying they're depressed, but they're not comfortable saying they're lonely because then you're the kid sitting alone in the cafeteria. We don't want to talk about our loneliness, even though we know statistically, like at least 40% of us are deeply lonely. We know that's true, but we don't want to talk about it, especially us men. We meant for some reason for a man, a grown man to say to another man, I feel lonely. That, That seems like an admission of weakness or failure, right? But that's completely different than the example we see in the Bible. Let me give you an example, David. David was an incredible warrior, 
an incredibly successful general, and eventually an incredibly successful king over Israel at one of its best periods of history in all of the Bible. And yet here's what King David, this mighty man, was willing to say. Psalm 25, he's speaking to God, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Uh, You recognize David didn't just pray that to God. He wrote it down in the Psalms so that thousands of years later, we would all know he was lonely. David was willing to share his loneliness with literally billions of people. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed of it. He wasn't embarrassed to feel lonely. He recognized this is life. We're all going to struggle with this. There's no reason to keep this in the dark. Let's bring this out in the light and admit to each other, even man to man, we're struggling with loneliness. You see that in all the great men and women of Scripture. You see that in Jeremiah. You see it in Ezekiel. You see that in Jesus himself, the greatest man ever, willing to admit their struggle with loneliness. So we need to be admitting to ourselves, to God, and to one another that we struggle with loneliness. And don't just admit it, but grieve it. Admit that you hate it, that it hurts. You you recognize it's okay to tell God that you hate that you feel lonely. You know how I know that? Because God hates that you're lonely. He does. How do I know that? Well, what did God say in Genesis chapter 2 of Adam's loneliness? God said, this is not good. God doesn't like you feeling lonely either. So you don't have to sugarcoat your life. You can tell God, God, I, I feel profoundly lonely and I hate it. I hate it. I want it to go away. And God says, yes, I know. I feel the same way. We need to admit our loneliness to one another. We need to understand that the only place where loneliness is going to find hope and healing is when it's brought out in the light. Anything that's weighing you down, that's kept in the dark, it will continue to weigh you down. There is no hope. There is no healing in the dark. You got to bring it out into the light and admit it to yourself, to God, to other people. That's the only way to find the encouragement that you need. Other people can pray for you. Other people can help you. Other people can lift you up. God designed you. This is really important for us to, to understand. You are not an individual creature. Yeah, you have one body, yes, but you weren't designed to live alone. It's not part of your DNA. You were designed as a communal creature. That is your DNA. The type of creature you are is a creature designed to live socially with other people. So you need to reach out to other people, talk to other people, do life with other people. So if you feel lonely, that's okay. There's no shame in it. There's no guilt in it. There's no embarrassment in it. There's no weakness in it. You are just being like Jesus in the fact that you feel lonely. And so talk about that with your spouse, with your friends, with your coworkers, with other people at church. Talk about that. If your loneliness seems to persist for a long time, then please come talk to a pastor or talk to a counselor who can help you work through what's going on with this loneliness. And if your loneliness is for some acute reason, like something just happened, like maybe your spouse died or, or maybe you, you just had a divorce and you're feeling all of this loneliness, we have great groups here at Grace Bible Church dedicated to helping people walk through the loss of a loved one. So actually there's information at the back of the room, the banner that says connect, or you can go on our website and click connect. And there's a label that says grace cares. Click that and you'll find out about a grief share group. You'll find out about celebrate recovery. These incredible places where you can find hope and healing in the midst of loss with other people going through it too. Okay, so step number one to finding hope and loneliness is you got to admit it and grieve it. Step number two, turn to Scripture. Well, that's not a surprise. Here we are in church. Of course, we're going to turn to Scripture. Now, we have to be very clear, though. When we talk about turning to Scripture, 
this book is not a magic wand that you wave at your loneliness to shoo it away. That's not how scripture works. It doesn't just make the loneliness go away. What is this? This is your firm foundation that you stand on in the midst of loneliness. It doesn't make the feelings go away, but it gives you strength to endure in the midst of them. So you, you read this book and you study this book and you meditate on this book and you memorize this book to give you strength when loneliness assails you. And in particular, you'll find a lot of strength through verses and passages that talk about the character of God, his goodness, his love for you, his faithfulness to you. Memorize those passages and they'll give you strength when you feel lonely. So here's, a, here's an example, Jeremiah 32. Remember, Jeremiah didn't have a spouse, didn't have kids, didn't have any friends. When he struggled with loneliness, what did he say to himself? Ah, sovereign Lord, You've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah is reminding himself of this biblical truth that God is strong enough, that God is enough to get him through these lonely times of life. You see the same idea in the book of Psalms, Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your words. What, what a great reminder about the strength that God is to us in the midst of our loneliness and loss, that he is a, a refuge, a safe place for us to turn. So take passages like this and read them over and over until they sink in and you memorize them and you can quote them to yourself whenever you struggle with loneliness. Now for me in my life, my go-to passage is Psalm 23. It has been for decades. So when I struggle with loneliness, when I struggle with discouragement, when I struggle with anxiety, which one of those three is pretty much every day. So this is a passage I say to myself pretty much every day. I'm already probably 10 times into it this morning because Julie is off in Houston at a training and I had to get the kids here on my own. And so what am I doing in the car as I'm driving and feeling a lot of anxiety? I'm quoting Psalm 23 to myself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes it so I can lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You you take your passage and you memorize it and you say it to yourself over and over and over again. And again, it's not a magic wand that drives away loneliness, but it will give you strength in the midst of your loneliness. It will help you to endure. So find your passage and memorize it. Step three, improve yourself. Now, there are some causes of loneliness that are out of our control. So if you move to a new town to take a new job, you're probably going to struggle with loneliness. If you work from home, you're an independent contractor, and you don't see people during the day, you're going to struggle with loneliness. If your spouse passes away, you're going to struggle with loneliness. Sometimes you can't control the circumstances, but sometimes our loneliness is in our control. Sometimes loneliness is caused because of our bad behavior. We say things or do things that drive people away or make them feel uncomfortable or not want to spend time with us, and we just need to be honest about that. All of us struggle from time to time with antisocial tendencies that the Bible calls sin. 
We say things and do things that hurt relationships. Now, the good news is the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, including our antisocial sins. And then he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death once and for all. And if you have trusted in Jesus, if you said, yes, Jesus, I believe you died and rose for me so I could have eternal life for free. If you've done that, then all of your antisocial sins are forgiven. That's done. However, forgiveness does not remove consequences, right? Your antisocial sins still have consequences. They still hurt relationships. And so I would encourage you to use seasons of loneliness in your life as an opportunity to work on yourself, to to overcome bad habits, bad relational habits, so that you can be a better friend, a better family member to someone else. Okay, so let's talk. How can you grow to be a better friend? Well, the Bible has a whole lot of advice on that very common topic. I'm just going to give you two that, that I've particularly seen in people's lives. Two things that you can do in your life to grow as a better friend. Number one, learn to love yourself. Now that probably sounds a little bit odd. To some of us, that's going to sound a little bit hokey. But actually, the research is really clear. Let me read this to you. Researchers concluded that the most promising line of treatment for loneliness is actually individual therapy that addresses the thought patterns and beliefs, such as low self-esteem or shame, that prevent a person from connecting with others. So here's the deal. If you don't like yourself very much, you're going to have a hard time liking other people. If you don't learn to love yourself, you're going to struggle to love other people. If you feel ashamed of yourself, if you struggle with low self-worth, that's going to damage all your relationships. That's what I love That in this book, from page number one, God has spent so much time trying to prove to us how worthwhile we are, how valuable we are. Let me show you a few examples. Genesis 1, first page of your Bible, verse 26. And God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What is that verse saying? From the very beginning, you are made in the image of God to rule God's creation. You have incredible value. You have an incredible purpose in this universe. Another passage for you, Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You, every single one of you in this audience, you are already crowned with glory and honor. It's not like something you have to go out in the world and seek. You don't need to go find glory and honor. You already got it. You got it. Why? Because you're human. And as a human, God has already invested you with glory and honor. Final example, Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You are wonderfully made. And that is true irrespective of your physical beauty or your intelligence or your wealth or your popularity or your past. You have infinite value simply because you're human. Every single human being is already the most precious thing in the universe to God. And so I think it's funny, sometimes Christians get down on this whole like self-esteem movement. We've got to recognize God is a huge fan of self-esteem so long as it's found in the truths of this book. He wants you to know with absolute certainty that in his eyes, you are the most precious thing in the universe simply because you are human. 
You have incredible worth and value. So if you struggle with low self-esteem, low self-worth, I would encourage you to choose one of those passages, memorize it, and quote it to yourself often. If you struggle profoundly with low self-esteem, please come talk to a pastor or a counselor. We want to help you through that so that you can learn to love yourself as God loves you so that you will be freed to love other people. You got to learn to love yourself so that you can love others. Step number two. Use these times where you're struggling with loneliness to learn to become a better listener. James 1.19 tells us everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That one little short verse is incredibly profound. That right there is how you make more friends. It's as simple as that. You make more friends by learning to listen rather than speak. It's been said God gave us two ears and one mouth. Use them in proportion. You need to listen more than you speak, and you'll become a better friend. And and research is bearing that out. I love how one researcher put it. It's a whole lot of science to get us to James 1.19, which has already been there for like 2,000 years. They concluded the key to making friends is don't be interesting, be interested. Do you catch that? It doesn't matter how interesting you are. People don't want to hear you talk about yourself. What they want is someone who is interested in them. Become interested in other people. Learn how to ask them questions. Learn how to engage in their lives, and you will become a better friend, the kind of person that other people want to be around. So use this season of loneliness in your life to work on yourself, to learn to love yourself and to learn to listen better to other people. Fourth and final step, find hope in the midst of loneliness. Keep initiating with other people. My wife and I were were laughing as we kind of thought through this and and reflected on the reality. Loneliness in doses can actually be a good thing. Why? Because loneliness is painful and pain motivates. Pain motivates. And, And when you think about it, making new friends is not easy for most of us. And actually, it's proven it gets harder the older you get. So the older you are, the harder work it is to make new friends. And so if loneliness was not painful, I think many of us would just be content to be alone for the rest of our lives. Just lay on the couch and watch TV. I know I would. We need the pain of loneliness. It's actually a gift. It motivates us. It's like a goad to push us out off the couch to go keep initiating with other people. So God wants to use the loneliness you struggle with to get you to keep initiating with other people. Now, what if you have kept initiating? What if you're the person who's always putting yourself out there, trying to initiate with new people, trying to make new friends, and it's not getting you anywhere? So you're trying to strike up conversations every time you pick up your child from school, and it's not getting anywhere. You're the one who's sending text messages or calling people, inviting them out to lunch, and no one's returning your calls. What do you do? Well, my encouragement for you is not to give up. I know it's hard. I've been there. You've got to keep initiating. So many people, when they feel rejected, they give up on trying to make new friends and they embrace substitutes. Substitutes for genuine relationships, and they're easy to find. So for some people, rather than form genuine relationships, do the hard work of initiating, they turn to social media and internet forums. And there's nothing bad about social media or internet forums, but they're not a substitute for genuine relationships. They can be a tool for starting new relationships, but you have to know someone face-to-face, spend real time with them to build those real relationships. Other people, they struggle to, to form real bonds of intimacy that takes incredible work and incredible sacrifice. And so they just say, hey, why don't I turn to hookup culture? At least I can have the comfort of easy sex. Well, even experts who are not religious at all are finding that hookup culture is a complete lie. 
it will leave you empty and used up. You, you cannot find the relationships you want through that. Other people try to dull the pain of loneliness with television or video games or alcohol or pornography, and none of those things work for long. They may dull the pain for a minute, but then it comes roaring back stronger than ever. So my encouragement for you, if you're struggling for loneliness, with loneliness and you just feel like you've been initiating over and over again, it's getting you nowhere, please don't give up and turn to the cheap substitutes. They will never satisfy you. Why? Because they can't. Like I said earlier, social relationships are in your DNA. You were designed to be a communal creature. You have to have deep relationships with other people. So keep initiating. Keep putting yourself on the line. Keep reaching out towards new friends and new connections. And on those really, really bad days, when you just feel like no one wants to be your friend and you feel completely forgotten and abandoned, I want to encourage you with two truths. Remember these two things. Number one, Jesus completely understands where you're at. How does he completely understand rejection? Well, think about it. Jesus up and died for billions of people who respond by telling him, "Mm, I'm really not interested in you, no thanks. He understands rejection better than any of us. He understands what you face, what you're going through. So the first thing he understands, Jesus is with you in that pain. He understands rejection completely. Second thing to understand Jesus is actually honored regardless of the response that we get. And this is one that that is really powerful to me. When you initiate with someone who does not return the favor, you reach out to them as a friend and they're not interested, you need to understand you did an eternally good thing no matter how they respond. Why? Because you just acted like God to them. Recognize we worship a God who is always taking the first step. We worship a God who initiates. That's his business. 1 John 4.10, we heard it earlier this morning. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loves us so much that he sent his son when we were still his enemies. That's initiation. God initiates with those who are not going to return the favor. So when we do that, when we initiate with others, we are showing them God's love. We are pleasing God. We are being like God no matter how they respond. So what you need to understand, on a day when you feel like you reached out to all of these people and it got you nowhere, you need to understand God is smiling down from heaven because you just acted like him and that makes your father's heart happy. When you initiate with other people, you are doing what God has been doing forever. You're showing them the initiating, gracious love of God. So keep doing it. Find courage in that. Keep doing the hard work of initiating with other people. And let me give you a few practical places to go. Where can you find new friends and initiate with new people? This is certainly not, none of this is an exhaustive list this morning, but here's a few ideas for you. Number one, service. This is good for anybody, but particularly I think for us guys, Finding some place to serve alongside other men can be a great way to form new friendships, new connections. So find a place to serve here at Creekside or in the community. Uh, when I was in college, for me, it was one of the places was Habitat for Humanity because for some reason, there's just nothing like putting in shingles to get two guys to connect with each other. So find some place to serve and you will become friends. You will become uh, connected to the people you serve with. Another idea that I've seen work really powerfully is take up a new hobby. 
Find some new interest, some new pursuit in life, and you will have something to talk about with other people. I have some hobbies in my life, and they've led to these great connections, these great friendships, because again, you, you can just talk about this hobby you share in common, and it opens up opportunities to get to know someone and go deeper with them. Finally, join a small group. I don't know where you are in terms of your involvement in church or in, in what God is doing, but I hope you understand Sunday morning, this big group, it's very hard to form deep relationships here. There's just too many of us in one room. You need a smaller room with a smaller group of people that you can really get to know deeply and honestly and authentically. So that's where small groups fits in, and there's small groups here at Grace. There's small groups in the community. There's lots of options. If you don't have some small group that you are participating in, again, there's a banner right at the back of this room, and it says connect, and that's what it's for. You can go there and connect with other believers. Get into a small group, or you can go to our website, and at the very top, it says connect. Click that, and you will see an amazing number of options for how you can connect with other people, other believers, and form deep and meaningful relationships. Again, my encouragement is to please don't give up. Please don't accept the cheap substitutes. They will never satisfy your heart. Instead, keep initiating. God will be your strength. He'll help you to do it. Keep reaching out. All of us struggle with loneliness from time to time. We're all in this together. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's just part of human existence in a fallen world. The good news in the midst of our loneliness, we have a God who understands it firsthand who is with us in the midst of us of it, and will give us strength to endure. And so let's turn to him and ask for help for ourselves. And also, if you right now, if you don't feel like you're battling loneliness, that's wonderful. What I would ask you to do is to just take this moment, consciously pray for someone else in your life who maybe is struggling with loneliness. Let's lift each other up in prayer when we struggle. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for the fact that we get to call you Father. You are not just God to us. You are not just king to us. You are actually our father. And we reflect on that word. We, we marvel at the fact that you who created all things want to have us in your family forever. We praise you for that. We thank you that you created us to know you in relationship forever. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us a family to belong to. We thank you that during baptisms this morning that we got to call these kids our brothers and our sisters, reflecting on the fact that for all eternity we'll have a family together with them. But, Lord, we know that in this life, this side of heaven, loneliness is going to be a constant companion for many of us. We'll struggle with it from time to time. And so we pray in the midst of that loneliness that you would give us strength. Lord, we pray in particular for anyone in this room who right now just feels completely alone, feels abandoned by others, feels isolated from other people. We pray, Lord, that you would give them strength in the midst of that. We pray that you would give them hope, that they would believe that it's going to be okay because you will not give up on them. You will not abandon them. We pray, Lord, that they would walk with you in the midst of this struggle. We do, Lord. We pray that you would help them to find some new relationships. We pray that you would help them to become part of a small group community where they can find true friendship. We pray that you would help them to find new friends through serving or through a new hobby. We pray, Lord, that they would keep initiating with other people. We pray, Lord, that we would become a community that really takes care of one another, that loves one another. And, Lord, I, I just want to especially pray, Lord, that you would finally put to death the stigma around the word lonely. I pray that you would help all of us, even us middle-aged men, believe that loneliness is not a sign of weakness or shame or something to be embarrassed about, that it doesn't make us losers, that instead it simply makes us human.
just like your son Jesus. I pray that we would be willing to admit to one another when we struggle with loneliness and that we would reach out and support one another in the midst of it. We thank you that you've given us a family to belong to now and forever through the death and resurrection of your son Jesus Christ, in whose name and for whose glory we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Next week, we'll look at finding hope in the midst of depression.